If you don't know that much about quantum computing, there's no need to feel bad. You are far from alone. In November of 2019, Jack Hittery, who is affiliated with Google and is the author of Quantum Computing, an Applied Approach, said that he believed only 800 people in the world have the expertise needed to truly understand how to apply quantum algorithms. Some of those people work at Seek, a quantum computing company headquartered in Elmsford, New York, with facilities in London and Naples, Italy. Seek's approach to building a quantum computer is quite unique and offers a roadmap for scalable application-based quantum computers, which can be leveraged to solve some of the world's greatest challenges. This is a series of interviews published by that company. In this episode, Seek Creative Director Frederick Karlstrom speaks to Su Jen Han about his role as VP of Engineering and how he organizes complicated work streams to meet the company's goals. If you want to know more about Seek and the work they do to make computers for the quantum age, you can visit them at seek.com. Now, the conversation with Shu Jen Han. I saw your resume. It's the longest thing I've ever seen. How long have you been doing this? This company? How long is your career? This is... I started my professional career in 2007. And where did you start? I started with uh, IBM Research. Where did you go to school? I got my PhD in Stanford, mainly material science and double E. Yeah. Double E? Electrical engineering. Electrical engineering. Yeah. And you joined Seek when? This week? Yeah, this week. So what brought you to Seek? I think a for me, actually, it's a very, very good opportunity, right? Because I work in semiconductor industry for 14, 15 years, right? I was driving like a very advanced semiconductor technologies, but I see it's always more evolutionized, right? From nodes to nodes, we see, we put a lot of resource, but we only see like a maybe 15%, 20% for each generation, right? It's very rarely to see such revolutionized technology comes out. So when I heard this opportunity, when John is seeking like a, a good person can drive the engineering effort, I feel so excited and we talked and that's attracted me into this company. So your role, tell me your role. My role is VP of engineering. So my main role is, uh, let me put it simple, simple ways, uh, trying to bring a little bit more discipline into this quantum computing development. Because uh, you talk to many of uh, my colleagues here, right? Brilliant scientists, uh, they are very excited about exploring a lot of new stuff, right? A lot of unknown stuff. But uh, our company, the mission is developed quantum computer as a commercial product. And if you're talking about that, you really need to sound like a more focused effort and uh, I put in some more disciplined effort because there are so many things you can explore, but you need to have a very clear uh, roadmap and milestone how to achieve that goal, right? So my background, actually, I did that for less 40, 15 years. So I tried to bring from early stage RD all the way to product technology. So I want to utilize that experience to this company and help us achieve that goal. So you don't have a background in quantum, you have a background in, in, uh, in circuits and, and electric engineering. How much do you know about quantum? I would say quite basic, to be honest, yeah. Because uh, like you said, I haven't uh, studied this field for Ever actually, never. <laughs> it's all graduate school level understanding, right? What's your sort of approach or philosophy to sort of bringing all these people together? Because obviously, a place like Seek has there's many there's manufacturing, there's testing, there's electro engineering, there's SFQ, there's quantum. Yes. What's the approach from from your role, which is very 
you know, an incredibly important role of yes. bringing everybody together. What's the, what's the thinking around getting people to collaborate? My approach will be very simple. The first, the common goal has to be well set, right? That's align the whole, every groups together, right? So once we have the common goal, for example, by when we need to achieve certain demonstration, for example, this is two qubit, right? Uh, integrated demonstration. So maybe we have a one year, 18 months, I don't know. But once we have that common goals, um, we should start to break it down into more like a milestone based, right? So maybe like a, we can bring to three important milestones. But those milestones still can be like a, a maybe separate for a circuit design team need to deliver a certain milestone. The content team need to deliver a certain milestone, right? But those things should be well aligned. Right, so everybody see this uh, milestone on one single chart, for example. So people can very clearly, you, your role is a quantum engineer, but you look at your, your part, where it is among this whole, uh, whole program, right? So once we have that, and uh, uh, my plans are like a make a more finer tracking system. Uh, maybe weekly or bi-weekly, people will update their progress and see their behind or way behind. Usually, I never see it ahead of schedule. It's just behind or way behind. And we can adjust the resource right to help that particular area to speed it up and don't become the bottleneck. That's actually, like I said, I have this kind of experience, uh, extensive experience actually in my past works. So we do that. And if you look at the semiconductor industry, right, the complexity is uh, much higher compared to what, what we are here. So just to give you one example, I was driving a new type of memory technology development. It's called the MRIM, magnetic-based random access memory. So this is really like a, for the technology product development. We have like a 400 process steps, just complete one wafer. And we have a much more advanced uh, circuit design. I mean, it's different, right? It's a CMOS-based circuit design, but we're talking about like a much bigger scale and a much more complicated uh, technology development, right? So the coordination among all these areas is extremely important. And uh, that's what I did in the past years, yeah. Bringing different people together and getting them to march in the same direction, what uh, the secrets, is there a secret sauce? Is there a secret ingredients? Is it a program? Is it a technology? I think for this kind of program, I think a role and the responsibility has to be well-defined first. I mean, you can always, uh, let's say, push people move forward, right? But that's not the best way. The best way is uh, people need to have a strong ownership, right? So once they know which piece they own and they know their importance, right, within this program, that's a very important. They need to know, like, uh, without, without this person uh, contribution, the program will be stored and it will not progress, right? So they need to know the importance within this program and the... Uh, they need to know their, their role responsibility. They start to gain that kind of ownership. Then things will move very smoothly. So I think the first thing first, uh, you, you're talking about secret, right? Or whatever uh, secret source I used. It's like a really input that kind of ownership to all these uh, team members. So it's more like a, then later on, it will become much smoother. Yeah, that's how I did. So what would your advice be for a, let's say for one of our customers, like you yeah. say that you're talking to an executive at Merck or, or whatever, a large corporation, yeah. 
who's thinking about maybe getting into quantum or, or, or any kind of deep tech, yeah. uh, what would your advice be for someone that, to start that process to get into it? They have to, we have to engage early, right? It's a, it's a, again, it's a very similar to when, when I developed a new type of semiconductor technology, right? So for example, the, the, this memory technology I mentioned, it's really new. It's not like a, it's already exists for, for, for many years. So nobody understands this well enough. And in that field, actually, people are hesitant to try new technology, right? They want to continue using the existing one, and you just continue to improve that one. If you want to introduce a new type of technology, it's difficult. So the way we should do, I think it's similar. So engage earlier. So they then start to involve into the, even the spec, right? We're talking about every product has some kind of spec. We need to define spec, and the customer can provide inputs, help us shape that kind of spec. So once they engage early, they enter this earlier, they understand technology, right? So later on, when they feel like the technology is mature, it's much easier when they to adopt. So that's, I think, the most important thing. The approach of Seek, of building an application-specific versus a, a general application, yeah. what, uh, does that create opportunities or challenges for your job? Is it, does it make it easier, harder? Is it, does it change the process? So we focus on application-specific content computing technology. I think it will make a, our development job much easier. It aligns like what industry, typical technology, semiconductor industry used before, right? Uh, they call it ASIC, application-specific IC, right? In the integrated circuit. We call it ASQC, application-specific quantum computing. I think that's easy because uh, it's lower the complexity of the whole system, right? Just like you compare to ASIC versus a more general CPU, right? In, in the computing technology. I mean, ASIC usually consists with uh, even as low as like a couple thousand transistors. You can make a functional chip, right? Because you are targeting very application-specific usage. But if you're talking about like a general CPU, right, can do everything. You are talking about like, a, I don't know, 500 million, 1 billion transistors this day, right? So you can see the complexity is totally different. I think we are taking the right approach, similar to what we do in Semiconductor. We target a very specific application, and we tailor our technology, including the circuit design, including the spec I mentioned, to that particular application. So it will uh, simplify our technology a lot. Yeah, I think that's the right approach. Yeah. What do you see as the the challenges for the for the quantum field as a whole? Where do you see it going, and where do you think it is, and what do you think the challenges are? I will try to answer because I'm, I'm probably not the best person to answer right. that. But uh, just from what I see is, uh, the first is uh, people need to um, uh, understand reality of this technology, right? There's a little bit of hype about this uh, quantum computing these days. It's a little bit overhyped in some sense. So this is good or bad. Sometimes it's good, right? Because that make, uh, let's say, uh, attracting investor uh, a little bit easier, right? Because uh, people are talking about that thing and uh, attracting the partners, right? easier. But the, the downside, of course, is uh, if we don't deliver what it promised right, within a certain amount of time, and it will start to cool down, and usually will retract quite a bit. I, I experienced that uh, in semiconductor field many times, because sometimes the new, new technology post and a lot of resource pooling, right? And after a few years, if this not deliver as promised, people would just drop it. 
So I, I don't see the quantum computing will face that same because uh, people seem to understand it will take longer. Yeah, but still like uh, the hype is there. So we need to be mindful, con constantly remind, at least remind people like quantum computing is not replacing any classic computing. It will be coexist. Because some people really think like uh, after like Moore's law is dead, right? We, 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 we rely on quantum computing, which is not the case. So it will just be, be part of this uh, computation system and the solving more specific problems, yeah. So I talked to John earlier, and we talked about this like, the name, that it has scalable energy-efficient quantum computing in the name, and that we talked about what that means, and, and we ended up kind of defining it as, as on the one hand, we do application-specific, i.e. We're, we're like, like going to the tailor, where it's like it fits you perfectly and it's just for you. But when you talk about scalability, it's obviously hard to, yeah. it's hard to scale your, your perfectly tailored suit. Yeah. But when we talk about scalability, you know, the metaphor in the, in the fashion world would be, you know, you go to like a, like a gap or something. So, but here what we're doing is we're doing both the customization and scalability. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if you can talk to that at all. Or, so I think that scalability and uh, this uh, calls application specific design, right? There's no conflict at all. Because uh, uh, one is, uh, we talk about this application-specific uh, approach, right? This is just help us uh, uh, simplify the problem and the earlier to demonstrate commercially, uh, it's a commercially uh, qualified product. So I think that's the right approach. And it also like, uh, can earlier adopt like uh, our core technology, which means this SFQ circuit, right? integrate with the quantum layer. So that's the core technology we have. But this scalability actually, is, I think that's actually more important because that's a, a universal problem, right? No matter which company, Google, IBM, they are working on, they probably have much larger scale effort, but they, are, they eventually will face exactly the same problem, right? How to scale up this quantum computer. So I think our approach definitely address that very well. So once we can demonstrate this uh, SFQ circuit and the quantum layer co-integration, co even on the simple system, right, we will start to attract a lot of attention. And the, the collaboration with uh, even, I don't know the possible or not, with this larger company, right, a lot of big players become possible, right? So I think that we are in, we'll be in very good position, yeah. What do you see as the benefits if you and we succeed at Seek and we create this, this quantum computer, what do you think the benefits are to the world, to, uh, to our customers? Like, have you thought of that? What, what, what's the good that will come from it? Yeah, I, I mean, so people, people are talking about using quantum computing for quite a few areas that are still exploring for sure. But some existing one, for example, I mean, I think one, one area I'm particularly feel interesting will be the, this molecular simulation especially for the, uh, let's say, pharmaceutical or something. I think that potentially can change the way uh, they do their research right, and development. So far, it's quite brute force. That's why they hire a lot of people trying to do this try and error type thing, because the current classic simulation is so limited. So if we can really develop this thing and uh, they can use it, I think they will speed up quite a bit. And it's just not lower the cost of new new drug development. Of course, we it will benefit the whole 
globally, right? A human being. So I think that's very important. And other thing, of course, um, we talk about like this encryption, decryption type thing, right? So I think that's also very important. I think that's a, probably will be the first application for quantum computing, right? So that's a, that that's also um, one possibility there, yeah. So when we're when we're working, obviously you, your job is to make people here collaborate. Yes. But it's also to collaborate with within the stack because we're not full stack. Of course. We're working yeah. with people. How do you how do you go about that? Because obviously there's a balance between you know not sharing too much and having IP and being secretive, but also being uh, being inclusive. How do you? Uh, what's your approach to to sort of external collaboration, if you will? That's actually. Um, how to, how to make the collaboration more efficient, right? Within the group, within the organization. I think that's a, that's very important. I mean, and that's a, there's a, some kind of balance there, fine boundary there. So you, you mentioned one thing very important, how to try to maintain the openness, but still start to uh, separate information sharing, right? That's a, that's a routine done in my, uh, in my old industry before, right? Because uh, the competition in semiconductor industry is severe. And they, they treat this confidentiality very, very serious. And I think we should learn something from that. But uh, of course, we cannot completely adopt that kind of a level of this confidentiality, right? So we need to maintain certain openness, but start to separate information sharing by job function, the group function, right? And a, a little bit like a need to know basis. So that, but within this organization, I think it's, it's okay. But we should even be more mindful when we start to share with external, right? Mm -hmm. That's something I'm actually actively uh, looking into now. How to make a still very efficient information sharing, but st start to have a, some kind of firewall. We, we start to monitor like what information are shared and what is like a, we share, but we track and what should not be shared at all. Something like that, yeah. What would you say is the first step for organization that wants to get deeper into to deep tech? What, what would your advice be? When I work with uh, uh, IBM Research, right, the one of the mission for IBM Research indeed is trying to explore all these um, new new technology, right? They are not commercial commercialized yet, but it has potential. So we have a rather big organization and looking to all these things. And I think that's the right approach for every company. So they have a, they found a small team. I hope, usually they have an expertise in-house, right? Even though they are not, let's say, not quantum computing expert, but they should have some, uh, some a little bit domain knowledge in this. They form a task force, right? And work with a company like us, right? Start to have the dialogue and uh, start to have some kind of a small collaboration. I think that's the best way to not get behind, right? In case this thing really uh, become reality, right? They can they can quickly get into this field, yeah. So obviously in, in our field, there's there's that kind of balance between, you know, in, in academia, you don't really talk about anything until it's published and you've been peer reviewed and it's all done, you've won the Nobel Prize. Yeah. And, and in business, you routinely talk about things that haven't even been invented yet. And you maybe even brag about things that doesn't really, really work. What's your, what's your view on that? Like this idea of how do you strike a balance between sort of having the science done and, and sort of talking about it and engaging with people and, and, and sort of, you know, starting partnerships? 
this is a good question. So talking about like uh, when to when to do this, uh, let's say business announcements versus where we really are, right? In terms of uh, technology development. So I think uh, this jump probably is the best to answer this way because uh, for companies with this size or stop, we need a lot of uh, publicity. We need to generate enough uh, press release right news. So I think we have to updating. We have to keep updating the the field like uh, uh, our vision, right? Even though we haven't achieved that, so people will start to understand and appreciate our vision, right? If we uh, we can realize the technology, what the value it can bring to the field and other companies. So I think we have to constantly uh, remind the industry at this point. We need to be mindful, like uh, internally, the gap cannot be too big, right? Which means uh, our that's our job, right? When we develop this technology, like uh, we can keep up John's promise <laughs> in some sense, right? So I, I think that's a that's a fine balance. But uh, I think with this kind of stuff, we we do need uh, enough PR. What do you feel about the sort of climate for innovation? You know, in, in the tech world, we've had obviously some backlash, not for deep tech necessarily, but with this, there's some discussions about the dangers of AI and you know singularity and, and computers taking over the world. <laughs> That we've seen obviously some threats to our democracy based on based on sort of social media. What is your what is your thinking about around the climate for innovation and the climate and the patience for this type of deep tech? My personal feeling is always that we should encourage the new type of technology, right? I mean, people, some some people are very conservative, especially talking about this artificial intelligence. And people re- do some people think about they will take over eventually, right? Because the uh, they can they can train themselves. They become smarter and smarter and outsmarter. Uh, but uh, my personal philosophy is, uh, I I want to push the these boundaries as far as we can. In the end, uh, all this uh, new technology should uh, benefit us. That's my philosophy. Yeah. What's your kind of in, in the last I don't know hundred years? Is there one particular innovation or one particular technology that you feel? I wanted to be part of that. Like you talked about this being groundbreaking and the opportunity to join Seek. Yeah, yeah. Like when was the last big sort of title shift? For my perspective, of course, that would be the transistor. That's the definitely revolutionized the whole world, right? Even now, actually now it become even more important, right? I think people are talking about how important the semiconductor industry is. And especially the United States, right? Realize we're kind of lagging behind, right? to some Asian company. So the invention of transistor and the C is kind of explode, exploding, right? And the, it enter almost every areas of our life. That's definitely one thing I missed. <laughs> so, so this idea of what we're doing now, we're, doing, we're building a brand and we're, and we're uh, you know, interviewing people. Do you see a benefit for a deep tech company to, to work with, with a brand? Like, I mean, they hired me as a creative director. I don't think there's any other deep tech company that I know of that has, has somebody like me there. Do you see a benefit to having a brand and working with that? Or? Yes, it's so important, actually. I think uh, two things, right? I mean, with a uh, good branding, right? Of course, uh, from, the, from the investment point of view, it doesn't help, right? But the more and more for, for myself is from the recruiting. In, in my case, even, right, I, I don't know this company, right? I never heard of SICK before. So uh, the headhunter, uh, contact me and we start a dialogue and I start to understand the technology this company has and the people here, right? That, that's fine. That's a, if you're trying to hiring like a few, right? More like a higher level executive, that's fine. But we are talking about like a, 
uh, top engineers, right? Some new grads from top university, right? When they start, where they go? They start looking at those big companies, right? They, what they know, right? And the, doesn't mean that they, they, they are not interesting us. They just don't know us. They don't know who we are. They don't know what we are working on. So with your help and with good branding, I think that brings tremendous values just for hiring point of view. And that's actually something I constantly discuss with CEO uh, John. Like uh, we should just further increase our presence in the media, right? So what is your philosophy for hiring? Do you have, I mean, you obviously hire lots of people, you manage lots of people, uh, you're, you're obviously quite good at it. What is your philosophy for, for hiring and, and managing talent? I mean, you mentioned not micromanaging, but specifically hiring. Hiring, How right. How do you attract talent, which is incredibly competitive? So my philosophy about tracking and hiring people uh, basically is, uh, so I usually list the key qualifi qualification I want to see, right? So people usually start with just top technical depths. So, but that's not me. So technical depth is, is, is very important, especially for us, right? But uh, longer term, it's not determined the su successfulness of the person in the company. So other things, and uh, including the successfulness of the group he will be in, right? It's not just technical depth. So when I hire people and interview people, I care a lot about the personality. So I mentioned about the ownership, right? That's some accountability. Is that something I always look for for the top candidates? And uh, once they pass that, so I can see okay, person have a strong drive and the ownership. Then I start to look into more technical depths. So the sequence is important. I know I don't do the other way. How do you look for that drive or that accountability? Or what stands out in a resume or on LinkedIn or something that, that goes, hmm, that's interesting. What is the? If we want to know like who who has the drive, right? The, the ownership, right? It's difficult to see from the resume. I agree, totally agree. So the first thing bring us to interview somebody is still like a, where his past experience and his technical qualification, right? But once you make sure, okay, the person satisfy qualification, technical qualification, right? When we start to interview the person, key question to ask will be important. That's how we distinguish the person have the drive or not. Yeah, not on the paper, by the way. Let's pretend that you're interviewing me. You want to find out if I have drive. How would you, how would you go about doing that? So the way I, I can assess, right, the person, the candidate has a strong drive or the ownership based on the question I ask, right? For example, um, if I interview you, right, we start from simple. So why are you interested in us? Why are you interested in the content computing? So the person uh, will start to answer, right? something but you can already see like a, it's a very general answer or he has a little bit deeper interest in the technology right? some person is just because uh, his background fit into this profile and he apply right but some person has a little bit stronger belief in this technology and we want to see that kind of belief a little bit and the next question usually is uh, um, I will go into more detail right in your past experience right because that's a more personality thing, right? So give an example like uh, you, you lead or you drive a certain project, okay? And the, the person will start to explain how he lead or how he drive, right, the project. Then you start to see like uh, uh, he has ownership or not. Meaning ownership is very simple, right? I mean, if you did the things behind lack, you didn't deliver how you handle. Some, some person just move on. <laughs> that some person will find a way to make it up. That's something I want to see, right? 
So how you make up the, the, the schedule you behind, right? How you make it up, something like that. You need to go exactly deep. So recently there's been this, in fields outside of technology, there's been all these kind of, you know, using Scrum or, or um, uh, Agile way of working, which is yeah. oh, based on software development and technology development. Do you have any points of view on various ways of working or various forms of working or do you like to work in an environment like that like you do sprints and stand-ups and agile or do you do you or do you not work that way we have we don't work that way at least i haven't i don't have experience working in, in this way right uh agile way. but uh, because uh, maybe the industry we're facing we, we need a really very very detailed coordination to in order to make the technology work in semiconductor field because it's way too complicated yeah, not just from the schedule point of view. It's really has a strong dependency, right? The circuit design, the device, the process team, they have to really, really well align because the parameters from one area need to almost 100% feed into the other area. They need to align perfectly in order to integrate them together, right? I mean, all this uh, approach, new approach, I, I don't have much experience, so maybe they can bring some value. But uh, my approach is always like, a, more strict way. You need to list everybody and everybody can talk to each other daily if possible <laughs> and fully align. That's the only way. Yeah. So if you were to give a, sort of a last uh, advice to you know, a recent graduate or somebody who's working, who, who's interested in, in maybe working with Seek or working with you or working in quantum computing, what would your advice be? What's the, what's the best approach for somebody to, to sort of find you or find us? I think that the, my suggestion uh, for the new, new students who want to enter this uh, field and also work for SIG, uh, is to, uh, while you are in school, right, start to prepare, right? I know most uh, people in this field, I call it very academic, right? They look into deep science and uh, always explore a new problems, try to find new solution, right? But uh, if you are re really interested in the industry, quantum computing industry, it's also good to start to looking at the more practical side of the issue, right? So, okay, where's the bottleneck current technologies, right? And not just focus on the fundamental physics. I know there's a lot of uh, fundamental physics we still need to resolve uh, to understand and resolve, but also from engineering side, right? So where's the engineering bottleneck to realize this true uh, quantum computing technology, right? I mean, it's always good to talk to people already, your advisors, people in industry know, and to understand those bottlenecks and really, really start to understand, are you interested in solving this engineering issue or not? Because uh, a lot of people from graduate from school, right, especially they do postdoc, for example, they are very much interested to academia, right? They can spend uh, six months, a year, for example, a deep dive into one problem and uh, try to solve it. Even if it's not resolved, it can still be a good paper, right, publication, but it's not how industry work. So we have a much more strict timeline, what much well-defined problem. And you need to either find a solution or we move on, but they propose an alternative way to solve this, right? So it's very different. And you, you need to start to think about like, are you interested in this or not, right? Or you are more interested in like this deep dive academia type. And if you're really interested in solving this engineering issue, then please email us anytime. And we always want to recruit the best people. Thanks for listening. For more of these conversations, go to wherever you get your podcasts, search Conversations for the Quantum Age, and hit subscribe. You can learn more about SEEK and the work they do by going to seek.com. That's 
S-E-E-Q-C.com. This conversation was recorded at Seek's headquarters in Elmsford, New York. The series is produced by Seek creative director Frederick Hallstrom, who also did the interview. It was edited and sound engineered by Badia Shihab. The title music was composed by Anders Okergren, using sounds recorded at the Seek Chip Foundry in Elmsford, New York. My name is Tyler McLean. See you next time.